Hi, I'm Tom Field, Senior Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. My topic today is security awareness. It's my privilege to be speaking with Michael Floaton, Vice President of Product Strategy with Barracuda. Michael, thanks so much for joining me today. Absolutely, Tom. Thanks for having me. Mike, let's jump right into it. From your perspective, what's wrong with how many organizations approach user training today? Yeah, great question. So I think there's a, a few pitfalls that, that uh, come to mind for me. Uh, first off, I think a lot of organizations, you know, look at training and they view it as something that they might do once a year and they're kind of viewing it as a project. So one time thing without kind of ongoing investment and reinforcement. So that's probably pitfall number one is treating it like a project instead of a process. I think related to that, number two is, is oftentimes organizations might view training as an exercise in checking a box. So they might view it as something that their auditors or their regulators or their legal team wants them to do um, instead of realizing kind of the upside they have in terms of driving cultural change and, and really meaningful risk reduction. And, and finally, I think really kind of measuring so you can improve and track progress is, is critical. Uh, and I see a lot of organizations not really applying the right level of rigor uh, and analysis to, to measuring and relying on very simple measurements, which really impedes organizations' ability to, to get better and improve. So, Mike, I want to ask you about some areas where you've learned from your own customers. And the first topic I want to ask you about is, what have you learned about a multifaceted approach to training? Yeah, great question. So, one thing that we've learned is that uh, no two people learn uh, the same way. So, there's a lot of different learning styles, and, and people pick up information and process information differently. Some people are more visual learners. Some people are more auditory learners. Some people like the written words. Some people like diagrams. Um, so really being able to offer flexibility and options is going to be critical in terms of actually driving real progress and results. Um, I think another dimension to kind of a multifaceted approach is uh, having a good combination of kind of static and interactive content. Um, so being sure to mix things up in terms of uh, video content, but also uh, introducing fun things like games and quizzes and checkpoints along the way. And finally, reinforcing things wherever, wherever possible um, through simulation. So can you train people on concepts and then downstream actually test people on those concepts to see how well they've, they've kind of processed the information and, and have internalized it? Mike, what have you learned about length of sessions? It just seems to me that attention spans are shorter than they used to be. Yeah, spot on. Great question. So uh, you kind of look at, at the evolution of, of society, and, and it, it's true. We're kind of um, less willing to consume longer-form content and want kind of short, digestible things. Um, so we have seen a, a preference for organizations to kind of chunk training out into smaller, digestible kind of bits uh, so people can kind of consume things that way. You know, that said, there are people who still prefer to, hey, I want to just sit down and really dive deep on a topic. You know, so I think, again, it, it's important to provide options because everybody learns differently. But, yeah, I, I would tend to agree that the trend is towards shorter content, um, you know, over multiple interactions. And what have you learned about the devices that users want to use? I'm assuming they aren't all sitting at desktop devices anymore. Yeah, definitely. So that's just another evolution in kind of this space is that people, you know, are busy, people multitask. While you want somebody's kind of sole attention to uh, to training, certainly, so you need to be careful not to let multitasking distract, uh, it's important to offer people options. So, you know, we've seen kind of the rise of mobile devices, of bringing drone device to, to work, non-corporate machines, people using laptops, people consuming content on their phones. 
um, you know, people using AirPods on a train. So really we're seeing a lot of different approaches. And, you know, the key and the name of the game here is flexibility. And the more options, the more flexibility you can give to your users, the more likely they are to actually kind of consume and drive value from, from the training uh, offerings that you're offering. Michael, for the past couple of years, we've heard a lot about gamification when it comes to training. What would you say are some of the myths and realities about this approach? Yeah, so gamification uh, can be a really powerful tool if it's used well. Um, I think it's, it's easy to fall into the trap and, and just kind of focus on the buzzword and, and do gamification for gamification's sake. Um, but if you can actually make it truly engaging and fun for users, there's no question that you're going to see uh, better results. So, you know, some ways we've seen that work, um, there's kind of the very simplistic approach of just kind of introducing a, a quiz or a game at the end of a training module. And I think that's kind of table stakes. It works well. It's kind of tested and proven. But really, if you want to kind of actually do real gamification, um, you know, there's a few other interesting approaches you can take. Number one is taking somebody through a, a training course almost in, in kind of a, a game. So, you know, I, I grew up in the 80s and, and was a big fan of choose your own adventure books. Um, but it's a very similar concept that as you're kind of going through a training module, you can make decisions and choices um, and see how you, the choices you make will, will impact the scenario downstream. So kind of embedding the game into the actual course itself is, is, is important. And then, you know, finally, something that we've also seen work really well is, is kind of uh, taking advantage of healthy competition within organizations. So we've seen companies kind of pit departments against each other in a very friendly fashion. Um, but let's see, you know, hey, can the sales team outperform the marketing team, you know, this quarter on, on uh, their, their awareness training activities? Um, and if you do it in kind of a fun way and offer, offer prizes and, and, you know, it doesn't even have to be a large, um, you know, tangible incentive, just I think the honor of winning can be really effective towards driving better behavior. How would you define effective use of gamification? Yeah, great question. I think this goes back to the point I made at the beginning that, you know, just kind of doing it for the sake of doing it is not really going to drive much meaningful value. So I, I think the most important thing is that gamification has to drive engagement. Um, so keeping in mind that, hey, what we're actually looking for here is people interacting and consuming with uh, consuming the content, people uh, noticeably improving their behavior uh, after going through training. So it's, you know, the thing I always go back to is, okay, I just learned something. What am I going to do differently? Um, so any way that you can actually kind of measure the effect of gamification on changing people's behavior and what they're going to do differently down the road is a much better way in terms of, of actually driving effectiveness. So, Michael, talk to me about Barracuda. What are you doing to help organizations to raise the bar on more effective user training? Yeah, definitely. So I think we're looking at a few different facets of this, and we covered a few of them. We're looking at um, measurement and reporting, I think, is really key to, uh, to to driving an effective training program. So, you know, we want people to be treating training as a, as a process instead of a project, an ongoing program and commitment. Being able to kind of measure and improve is an important aspect of that. So we've done a few things to that end. Number one, we've um, introduced a, a lot of content that appeals to, to different learning styles. So people do have that flexibility to kind of consume training in the way that's most effective for them, um, you know, be it short form content, longer form content, games, quizzes, simulation, just a lot of act a lot of variety um, from that perspective. Um, number two, we talked about it being a mobile world. So um, and people kind of uh, doing a lot of things at once in a lot of different places. Uh, and not often in the walls of the office, oftentimes kind of on a commute or, or you know, 
in our increasingly 24-7, kind of the, the line between work and personal time can blur. So just giving people more flexibility, more mobile and more mobile options, and, and the ability to kind of consume content more, more effectively and, and more flexibly is, is something else that's really important. And then finally, you know, just, just back to the point of measurement, um, one thing that we're really excited about is that we've introduced the ability for organizations to get really flex, really kind of flexible in terms of how they're measuring progress. So I think historically people focused on some very simple metrics like click rate, for instance, if you're talking about phishing simulation. And so we've, we've seen is, is that if you kind of add some ability to kind of capture more risk, uh, in that type of measurement, people, um, you know, you can actually drive down much more effectively towards the objectives that you want to drive to, as opposed to just looking at something simple like, are people clicking on fewer, fewer emails? Michael, a couple of times you used the word measure. How does Barracuda measure the success of these efforts in trying to help organizations to improve their user training? Yeah, great question. So I wanted to go back to the, the click rate concept I just touched on earlier. You know, I think historically, if you look at uh, the, the user training and, and awareness training market a few years ago, everybody focused on the click rate. It was click rate, click rate, click rate. So we'd kind of train people on, on phishing effectiveness and get smarter about, you know, kind of what to click on and what not to click on. And, you know, typically what you'd see um, which I think has led to a lot of this checkbox thinking or project not process thinking is that um, the first time you do a simulation test after after doing uh, an awareness training program, you see a dr- pretty dramatic drop in click rate, which which is great. I mean, you certainly you want people to be clicking on fewer malicious and and suspicious attachments, so that's good. Um, the challenge though is that click rate doesn't always tell the full story. So oftentimes, what you see is is that those emails where with the click rate goes down and people are clicking on less things, it's because people stop clicking on the stuff that's really easy to spot and the stuff that matters less. And so sometimes kind of lurking under the, the um, you know, under the waters is that you've still got this really, um, you know, insidious kind of set of, of attacks that people aren't catching, uh, even though on paper it looks like the click rate went down pretty significantly. So what we've done is introduce the concept of levelizing your program. So think of this as, uh, I'm going to define a custom risk profile, and rather than just look at specific click rate, I'm going to just define a maturity model for you know level one, two, three, four, and it's much more sophisticated in terms of modeling. Hey, these types of users, you know, falling for these types of attacks, processing this type of information, and you can really target your risk management program at what really is going to drive effective risk reduction, as opposed to just a very simple click rate. So you know, to kind of sum it up, it's you know, hey, let's let's kind of move beyond the state of the industry a few years ago and focus on things that are really going to drive risk reduction. Uh, and oftentimes, that's a much more sophisticated approach. Michael, this has been quite insightful. Thank you so much for your time and your thoughts today. Yeah, really enjoyed it, Tom. Thank you. Again, the topic has been security awareness for Information Security Media Group. I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much. <laughs>